This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So long, farewell. This is Shattered Souls. I'm your host, Karen Smith. This is a very special episode. Welcome back. This is a very special interview episode. I've had the privilege of working with Nancy Grace for about three years now. And I had a preconceived notion about Nancy, like most of us do, just based on her television personality as a bulldog lawyer. I met her on set of a television show pilot here in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. And I haven't laughed that hard in a very long time. She's gregarious, funny, outspoken by far, smart, kind, uplifting, and so many other things. And she proved me wrong very quickly about my preconceived notion about her personality. I wanted to talk to her about her experience as a prosecutor in Atlanta 
and how she dealt with the fallout from her huge caseload. Nancy has always been a true victim's advocate, always striving for truth and justice. And that's the side of the personality that we all know and love. But there's that other side. And that's what I wanted to bring forward. And once you hear this interview, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. First thing I want to do is go right into the Wayback Machine. Okay. When you were a prosecutor, was there a case that hit you especially hard that you still carry with you? There was one case. Three young boys had been gunned down on a playground on a Sunday night. It was in a housing project. They were dopers, and the people that shot them down were dopers. So there wasn't a lot of sympathy for them outside myself and the investigators working on the case because I met their parents and their friends, and I practically lived in the housing project literally months. Everybody was afraid to talk to police. I'd have to go in through back doors. I'd find witnesses in cracked houses with nothing in there but a burned-out sofa and addicts. I had never seen anything like it in my life. I remember trying to find an ear witness, and I knocked on the door of one apartment, and a young girl answered. She was probably about 16, and she was taking care of about 17 infants. Not 20, not 10, somewhere in the middle, and about eight or nine of them were lying on the floor. The TV was going, like soap operas, and Everything was quiet in the ha- in the apartment, but I went into the kitchen, sat down at the kitchen dinette, and I was waiting for her to come sit down and talk to me. And all the children were strangely quiet. Not one of the children would make a sound. And I looked up on the wall at the clock. There was a cord going up the wall, plugged in down near the floor, but the, the clock was up on the wall above the table. And there had to be... 30 roaches going all over the wall. I didn't want to embarrass her. She she didn't even see them. We were sitting right there at the table. And I didn't want to embarrass her or show any emotion that that was not okay. And so I didn't move my chair. I just continued with the interview, you know, talking to her about what she saw. And I remember when I finally finished talking to her, I got up. I walked out of the kitchen, back to the den where the front door was. All the babies were just laying there. Not one of them had set a sound. Their eyes were open. They were asleep. I remember when I walked out that door, it was cold outside. And I breathed in so deep when I was walking to my car. And I can't really describe. I just was so torn up. I was so happy to get out of that apartment and just breathe in that cold air. But, yeah, I just started crying at the same time. And I got out of my car, and I drove away. There was another incident related to that same apartment complex in that same case. As I said, the murders went down on a playground. I think around 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, as I recall. So there weren't a lot of people outside. And I combed the playground over and over looking for anything that may have been left behind. And one day, I found out I could never find any of the witnesses early in the morning or late at night. So the best time to catch them would be to ambush them in the afternoon. 
And I found out the time to get them. So the school bus came in because the children would be going into these apartments and I could get in and find the witnesses. And I got there, you know, about one o'clock and started just sitting in my car waiting. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to walk through the playground one more time before everybody gets home. I walked up to that playground and I have memories of my elementary school playground with a merry-go-round. And it was the kind that you ran and then you stood on it and it would go around and around. And swings and they were at the edge of a pasture and it dipped down and you swing out over the pasture kind of. And you felt like you were going so high. Well, this playground was not anything like that at all. There was no grass on it. You know, beat down and I got to walking around looking at it. It was covered in broken glass and there were used rubbers out there. A couple of glassing bags that were used for for dope, I found a hypodermic needle, and I just looked at it, and I went back to my car, and I sat there, and the school bus pulled up. All these little children came pouring off that school bus, they ran out on that playground, and were swinging and playing, and running on that broken glass, and a hypodermic needle, and I just cried and cried and cried. They didn't even no, this wasn't right. This wasn't normal. The memory of those children running onto that playground and playing on that, I mean, a lot of it, broken glass, and they were playing on it. And it was just okay with everybody. And I saw a whole generation of children being raised up in the same world that their parents and grandparents existed in. That really sticks with me. And I put my head down on the steering wheel and I finally got it together and went armed with subpoenas in my po- in my pocket and a piece of paper and a little short pencil stuck in my bra with my badge in my hand because you need to have your hands free when you are out on the street. I had my uh, key to my car stuck down the other side of my bra, just a single key, and off I went. People, I don't think, get it, nor should they nor should they get it, that when you investigate a case and you work on it day in, day out, you start identifying with it. It's like combat conditions or emergency conditions. When you live through something horrible or life-changing with someone, you become so close to them and it's hard to explain to other people what you went through. You dealt with that family and those witnesses and that young girl with the babies on the floor. You dealt with them at at depot, outside the courtroom, phone calls, and that after the case was over, you still had to deal with that family. The cases keep going and they pile on and pile on and pile on. Did you have anything specific that you did to release all of that? Other people I've talked to would garden or they would go out with their kids or go out fishing by themselves. I lived in a fixer-upper, so there would be times at night I would be out cutting grass at 7 o'clock at night. I painted, I put up crown molding, I, I taught school at night, I volunteered at the Battered Women's Center hotline at night. I didn't have a lot of personal life. I guess after Keith's murder, I didn't want to get blown out of the water all over again. I couldn't really risk it. 
you know, kind of go through the motions, but I was like a machine. I would always have files that I brought home with me. Very often at the end of a court day or end of a day being out on the street, I would always seem to be in my car trying to get to the next, you know, I've prosecuted in inner city Atlanta for all those years. And Fulton County, very geographically, it's big. And I'd be driving, trying to, that was before you had Waze or Google Maps. I'd be trying to find where I was getting to. And at the end of the day, by the time I leave the courthouse, it would be dark. I would always think of Keith, my fiance, that got murdered, that kind of propelled me into prosecuting. And I just feel such a burden, not a burden, a duty to just keep going. And I've got to tell you that those 10 years plus that I prosecuted were some of the most intense and draining I've ever been through. But I can also say this, they were, aside from my children, the proudest I've ever been, not for getting conviction, for doing something that I thought really mattered. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. I look back and I talk with my friends and we've gone through these cases together and we look back and go, we did some damn good work. And it makes me proud, but then I look back at the cases and go, God, I don't want to look at those photos. I don't want to read these narratives. I don't want to see them anymore. But they always come flooding back. And there's several that the nightmares come or I wake up in a cold sweat. There's just certain cases that I don't think I will ever be able to let go. I know what you mean. When the nightmares happen, do you just like slough it off? I mean, I've gotten sick in the toilet before. You know, it's it's just that emotional. No, I don't slough it off. I don't slough it off. I'll wake up even to this day. I swear, you know, people say midnight is the witching hour. I agree with, I believe the little girl in BFG, Big Friendly Giant, said this. I think three o'clock in the morning is the witching hour. Because I wake up still to this day at three in the morning after a bad dream or a night terror. I'm awake. That's it. I just can't just go back to sleep. All of that really changed me. It's almost like a DNA transplant. I've been told before Kate murder and before I became a prosecutor, I had a different personality. I don't really remember that anymore. But I can remember the fact scenario of every case I ever tried. I've been told the same thing. It did change my DNA. It changed everything about me. From how I look at the world, from how I handle minor problems to major issues. Everything changed. But interesting, I mean, you don't go into it thinking, oh, I'll never be the same. I I didn't think anything one way or the other. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stop violence. I wanted to put bad guys in jail and keep them there. And nothing else would do. So I did it. I didn't go into it thinking, is this going to change me? Will I be the same? I didn't know enough to think about that. Yeah, I don't think any of us really did until you go to your first homicide and then you go, whoa, okay, didn't know this was going to feel this way. And you kind of walk away going, I'm not the same person. It's almost an instant change the minute that you see that. Well, it really does, especially for women. After you live through all that and you do it day in, day out, day in, day out for years, you get the reputation of, well, at least I did, of being hell on wheels. But that's not it. It's easy for other people to name women when they have to take a stand. And with misogynist names or derision, I really don't care about it one way or the other. I guess that's another burden you carry with you is, you know, you're pegged as a total bitch. People don't get where you're coming from. And really, to their defense, why should they? I used to get asked all the time, why are you so angry? I'm not angry. You look angry, but I'm, not, <laughs> but I'm not angry. You're making me angry. People, when I first took to the airways, they're like, why don't you smile? It actually, it wasn't first. It's to this day. I'm like, smile about what? What can I smile about when I'm discussing convicted felons or getting out of jail and repeat offending, children being assaulted and murdered? 
how can I talk about this with a big smile on my face? How disingenuous could you be? When you were covering the Kaylee Anthony murder trial, Casey Anthony, right? Top mom. Everybody was glued to the TV because they wanted to hear not only your narrative, but the people that you had on and the updates on the case. I know just from knowing you, you were screaming inside, wanting to be in that courtroom prosecuting it yourself. And you had a platform on TV to out your grievances about it. How in the hell did you temper yourself when that verdict came down? I knew that millions of people were tuning in and I knew I was going to catch a lot of heat no matter what I said. And I knew that the same old gang that always attacks the state, always attacks police, always attacks investigators, would be waiting, waiting for me to nut up. So I tried to be as diplomatic as possible for that very reason. It was hard. It's easy to sit back and say, oh, the state should have done this, the state should have done that. I can think of plenty of things I thought the state should have done and should not have done. But when you're in there trying to case, there are probably many things that we don't know about what happened. So before you start kicking the state around, you have to take into account that maybe some of their decisions were bad. On the other hand, we don't know why they made those decisions. I mean, there's suppression hearings we may not have heard about. There's evidence that may not have come in that we didn't hear about. I know that when I watch these TV shows about like 48 hours or whatever it is. I get so frustrated because I don't get the whole story. I will start rattling off forensic questions over and over and over, and I never get my answers because it's so limited. You have an hour to tell a story. You had an hour on TV to get the story out. So there's stuff that you couldn't put out. There was stuff that you weren't getting. I can imagine your frustration on all of these cases that you cover. Well, yeah, because, I mean, frankly, I may not know a lot. Granted, I know enough to know how little I know, but there is one thing I do know, and that is how to try a murder case. And about forensic evidence and crime scene evidence and crosses and directs and closings and openings and dealing with judges that are flat out wrong. And I see mistakes being made, and it nearly pushes me over the edge, especially when you get a false verdict because of it. But as you just said, there are things you don't know that have happened behind closed doors motions, hearings, decisions, sidebars, that sometimes limit the state in ways that we don't know. So it's really hard to take thoughts on it now. Let's say you have a, a decent case, not a great case, but a good case, and you know in your gut damn well that somebody is guilty and the jury comes back with not guilty. I never got a not guilty. I didn't think so. What do uh, you... Let me knock on wood. <laughs> You know, I've talked to other other prosecutors who have lost one case, maybe, and it was devastating for them. My friend Janine said that she went outside with the family, and she said, you know, we said a prayer before the trial started. Let's say a prayer now. And the family gave her grace and said, you did the best that you could. We understand we're moving on. I don't think that happens very often. No. When there is a loss, the family takes it horribly, as they should. And they look for somebody to blame. I mean, because it feels better being able to blame somebody. You have an outlet for your anger and your rage, and I completely get that. I don't blame the family for that. My friend Eileen Simpson, who's a homicide detective, retired. She said that on a weekly basis, she'll get texts or she'll get a rant from a mom or a sister, and she'll look at her calendar that she keeps in her desk, and inevitably it's either their birthday or the date of their death. And she'll field the rant and she'll call them and go, I understand. So this is the fallout I'm talking about. We don't just move on. 
these cases become a part of us. And that's why I titled this Shattered Souls, because it, every single case that we work, that we try, that, that we deal with, takes a piece of our soul with it. I think that's really a very good description. The kicker is, when you leave prosecution, when you leave the courtroom, you don't magically get well, because that's with you from then on, and it it changes the way I look at the world, it changes how I raise my children, it changes the way I analyze things, it changes how I feel when I wake up in the morning, everything, it changes everything. I literally go into every day thinking, whether consciously or subconsciously, this could be my last day. When I drive away from the school, sometimes I think, my God, what if I never got to see them again? That's how it leaves you, for better or for worse. But you live your life completely differently. You are a very faithful person. Has your faith helped you get through this? Well... I have to tell you something. If I didn't have my faith, if I didn't have my Lord, if I didn't have Christ, I don't think I could keep going. And I feel very strongly that I do not want to believe as a crutch. I don't want to be a Christian or try to be one as a way to numb the thought that this is all there is. This is the end. I don't want my life to be centered around the thought that Christ or faith is a crutch or comfort to me. I want to believe because I believe it's true, and I do. And I could not imagine a world, I don't want to imagine a world without Christ in it. It has been a comfort and a solace and strength when I didn't have anyone else to give me strength, and I'm very grateful for that. And I I also believe that my faith is what got me through everything I lived through from the beginning to now. I tried, but you know what? He never said it was going to be easy. So the fact that Christianity is in my life doesn't make it easier. It just lets me know that I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. I have two more questions for you. First one, you and I talk with a lot of people at conferences who are interested in forensics, psychiatry, and prosecution. So what advice would you give them, uh, anybody who wants to be a prosecutor like you were? My advice is to go for it. Forget everything anybody else tells you. Give it 200%. Study as hard as you can. Work as hard as you can. Take every opportunity to learn to understand more, to do more, because you will burn out and you got to go while the going's good. If you have the urge to do it, don't question it. Go before it's too late. Now you get lulled into, you go to law school and your ear gets turned about how much money you can make, how much prestige you can have, how you can move forward politically as a lawyer. No, follow your heart. Excellent advice from Nancy Grace. Everybody knows the hard-hitting prosecutor side of you. The bulldog, Nancy Grace. But I want people to know the Nancy Grace that I know, that I met, who is kind and uplifting, always quick with a favor, like this podcast, and genuinely loves people. 
So you're so well-known as this no-nonsense attorney who takes no prisoners. Who is Nancy Grace, really? I don't have time to think about who am I, why am I here, and ponder the big (laughs) questions of the universe. All I know is this. I got a Lord. I've got children to raise. I've been blessed. The doctor said I couldn't have children. The test said I wasn't pregnant. But the Lord told me I was. And guess who was right? I wake up in the morning at 5 o'clock. I hit the ground running. I can't wait to get everything ready for the twins and have a cup of tea. At night, it's all I can do to pray before I fall asleep. I'm so tired. Yeah, I have a reputation of being, well, there's really no nice way to put it, a ball buster. But as hard as I work, I laugh more than anybody I know because I also know life is short. You get one swing at the ball, and by God, I'm going to knock it out of the park. Amen, Nancy Grace. Amen, sister. I can't thank you enough for doing this. I really appreciate it. Please have me again, and I wish you so much of the very best of all things. Thank you. And you as well. so talented. And you care. You care. I think we all care. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Nancy. Have a great day. This is the new real. Opening music by Sam Johnson at samjohnsonlive.com. Underscore music by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. All rights reserved by Angel Heart Productions. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.